Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ and this is the Overlook Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Yuan Wang. Yuan Wang was just 12 years old when she was smuggled into Washington, D.C. from China on August 25th, 1998. Unfortunately, there's not much known about Yuan. She traveled to the country with a smuggler and very little is known about her family of origin. Now, when she came to the U.S., she used the genuine Thai passport to get into the country and she posed as a niece of her smuggler, whose name was Chachana Klaharn, a Thai citizen who it seems she was really unfamiliar with. When Yuan came to the U.S., she did not speak any English or Thai. In fact, this is one of the things that tipped off authorities at the airport. When speaking with immigration authorities, she told them that she was from Fuzhou, the Chinese province of Fuhan, and her parents had paid Klaharn to take her to the United States. She insisted that her parents paid a lot of money to get her here. And the plan was that he would travel with her to the U.S. and deliver her to a hotel in Washington, D.C. Now, Klaharn, the smuggler, he was caught red-handed and he pleaded guilty to passport fraud in September of 1998. He was sentenced to about four months in jail. Yuan, on the other hand, was sent to live with a foster family in the 4700 block of Barnum Lane in Alexandria, Virginia. No one in her foster home was able to speak Mandarin. However, they did get a Mandarin-speaking babysitter for her. Now, while in foster care, Yuan was enrolled at Holmes Middle School. She was the only Mandarin-speaking student there, though some reports state that there was a Mandarin-speaking teacher who would check on her throughout the day. A typical day for her included waking up in the morning and getting on the school bus with her foster sister and arriving home off the school bus around 3.10 p.m. However, on October 21st, 1998, things would be a little different. As normal, she went to school and then she got on the school bus to go home. She was last seen getting off the school bus around 3 p.m. near Laconia Road and Delming Avenue in Alexandria. The plan was that she was going to take a cab to her 3.30 doctor's appointment. However, the cab arrived and Yuan wasn't there. She never showed up. Searches were conducted in the area and FBI immigration agents joined in on the search, but nothing was ever found. She had been living with her foster family for about six weeks when she disappeared, and it was not believed that she was well-versed in the area. Unfortunately, because of this language barrier, the foster family really weren't able to provide much help to the police. Everything seemed normal, but because of the language issue, they really weren't sure what was going on in her mind. They couldn't tell the police if she was unhappy, thinking about running away or anything like that. But one thing that I found interesting is that the foster parents actually believe that Yuan was not 12 years old. They believe she was more so somewhere in the 14 or 15 year old area. Till this day, 
no one has seen or heard from Yuan, and it's not sure what became of her. There are three leading theories. People wonder if she was kidnapped or victimized in some way, if she decided to run off on her own, or if she really was supposed to be here to meet with a family member and she went off to find that family member, or the family member found her. But it's all very unclear. There's really not a lot of talk on the internet about what exactly happened in the investigation. When you look into the story, you really hear more so about how it was found out that she was being smuggled into the country and information about her passport. But other than one or two sentences basically saying that searches were done, that's all we really know. No other details are really given about the circumstances of her disappearance. Now, let's look back at how Yuan and Klahan got caught at the Duels International Airport. Well, first things first is their timing was all wrong. At this point in time, there was a series of several Chinese nationals entering the U.S. illegally, specifically at this airport. Officials were already on high alert, as there had been a large number of Asian smugglers trafficking people into the country, specifically in that area. Often, they would deliver these individuals to the U.S. to work in restaurants or brothels. But I want to be very clear, the term work should be used lightly as they were pretty much slaves in servitude and they would spend hours upon hours working in horrible, grueling conditions to pay off their smuggling fees. Oftentimes, it would take these individuals over a decade to get out of this servitude and they lived in horrible conditions as well. We're talking working 12-plus hour shifts and then going back to small quarters that they usually share with 20-plus people. And individuals in these circumstances are at a great disadvantage because they're in a country that they're unfamiliar with. A lot of times, these individuals don't speak a lot of English, and that limits their ability to run away or seek out help. And then on top of that, because they're illegal, Seeking help to get out of these illegal, disgusting situations was just not a possibility because they risked deportation of not only them, but everyone else that was already there. Now, according to an article by the Washington Post titled, Chinese Girls Smuggled to Country is Missing. At that time, those were seen several forged Japanese and Thai passports specifically. And this was what first tipped off airport officials to kind of check into this situation with Yuan and her smuggler, Klahan. Well, the thing is, when they started talking to them, it became clear that Yuan did not speak Thai, which was odd because she came in on a passport from Thailand. And this is when they realized that, no, there's something different going on here, which is what kind of created the snowball effect of immigration asking questions and Yuan being placed in foster care. In that very same article, Robert Conway, who was Yuan's foster father for the six weeks that she was in foster care's custody, reports that he was warned that the Chinese mafia might have been looking for Yuan when she was placed. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any more information on this. I'm not sure who warned him. It's not really clear. I'm unable to find any sources that report that the police believe that any type of mafia is involved. And again, we don't really have a lot of information about what the police did or did not do, or really not a lot of information about what they think is going on in this case whatsoever. So that's a little tidbit that's interesting, 
But that's as far as I can get into that. That's pretty much where that statement ends. But it does lead towards the idea that Yuan may have been smuggled in for trafficking purposes. Another glaring oddity that kind of connects with that theory is that according to authorities, Yuan said that she was from Fuzhou, which was considered a major source for human trafficking at the time. Now, back to kind of what I said earlier, where Yuan insisted that her parents actually already paid for her to be brought to the U.S., that in fact they had paid a large amount of money for her to be brought to the U.S. Now, that statement alone contradicts the theory that Yuan was brought in as a slave through human trafficking, because this traditionally goes against what slavery cases and extortion cases typically look like. With those type of cases, usually there's very little money and there's some type of contract or agreement, whether written or oral, that the person will work to finally pay off the smugglers. And that's how we end up in those horrible work conditions and places like brothels against their will and so forth. However, that wouldn't be the case if they paid the money up front. But here's the thing. Lots of people are really skeptical about that statement but there's really no evidence that goes against it or for it. Now, going back to the smuggler's official statement, Chachana Klaharn's official story was that a man named Chan Chai had given him an airplane tickets and basically told him to go travel with this girl, deliver her to the Holiday Inn at 15th Street and Rhode Island Avenue, Northwest in DC. And he agreed to do it. That was the end of that. But People have side-eyed this claim and believe that this is something way bigger than him. And he is a part of something way bigger than one random guy or one random family asking for this one girl to be delivered to the U.S. illegally. And that's it. Many believe he's probably a part of a bigger, much larger organization that specifically deals in these sort of things and interactions. But more details have never really revealed. We know Klaharan pled guilty to aiding and abetting the use of the altered passport, and he was sentenced to jail, but I don't really know what happened to him after that. There's really not a lot of follow-up on him. From what I can gather, police have looked into the possibility that Juan's disappearance was related to her illegal entry into the country, but the thing is there is no evidence to support that theory or any other theories whatsoever. From what I can find out, Yuan's foster family tried to make their home very comfortable for her and tried to make this a smooth transition as much as they could. Though no one spoke Mandarin, they did download a list of Chinese words and phrases from the internet to use to try to communicate with her, at least for basic things. And again, they hired a babysitter that spoke Mandarin to be there during the daytime with Yuan, so she had someone communicating with her. They also spoke of having a Chinese cable station where they spoke in Mandarin so she could have something to watch on TV, which apparently she did utilize. The foster family says that for all they know, things were okay. Everything seemed normal, but they really weren't sure what was going on in her mind during that time. She didn't outwardly express her displeasure with being there. But again, conversation was very limited. Now, it is put out there that at one point in time, she did tell her foster family that she argued with her parents before she came to the U.S., that one day her parents told her she was being withdrawn for school and that she was going to the U.S. to live with the aunt. But that's really the only other piece of information the foster family was able to give. 
At the time of her disappearance, Yuan didn't know if she would be staying in the U.S. or being deported. Officials were still deciding if they were going to let her stay in the U.S. under foster care or if they were going to deport her back home. In that same Washington Post article that I spoke of earlier, Yuan's former attorney, Labowitz, stated that he was very concerned for her. He said, and I quote, she had no other place to go, and she's a long way from home with no possible way to get back. My fear is we will never know what happened to this child. It's very chilling. So before I get into the theories, there's a couple oddities that I think we kind of need to explore. One, let's talk a little bit about Yuan's age. So when you look at official posters and so forth, they will all report that when Yuan disappeared, she was 12 years old. But we later find out that foster family said that, yeah, we don't know about that. They had a feeling that she was a little bit older, more around 14 to 15 years old. And while I can't really find exact details about why they believe that, other than them saying she was very, very smart, another reason for this might have been her height. See, Yuan, she was kind of tall for a 12-year-old. She was about five foot six, which yes, there's definitely 12-year-olds that are five foot six, but a lot of people on the internet have kind of side-eyed this height and thought, yeah, I'm not believing that she was 12 years old either. Another oddity that I found mentioned several times in multiple different threads was, why was she allowed to grab a cab by herself to go to a doctor's appointment? Now, when I come across the very first comment mentioned in this, and I say the first because it was mentioned multiple times in multiple different threads, I had a very same thought. When I read that she was supposed to take a cab to go to the doctors by herself, I thought that was extremely odd. We have this 12-year-old girl in a strange country where she doesn't speak the language, and you're sending her to a doctor's appointment by herself. Doctors typically ask questions that even grown people sometimes have issues answering, but they're gonna send this child from a different culture. There was a language barrier and she had no way of knowing how to get home if she got lost somehow. But they sent her to the doctors by herself. And a lot of people kind of scratched their head on this one because it just seems odd. Now, first, let me start off by saying no one seems to be accusing the foster family of anything. No one believes the foster family was involved from what I can find, and neither do I, but I think that was a really weird call to make. Now, I will say I did come across some comments, some different users on the web that were saying that they grew up in the foster care system and this is not that odd because foster care kids have a lot of appointments that during their childhood, they were kind of cabbed around a lot, bussed around a lot by themselves all the time. And it really wasn't as strange or as odd as we were making out to be. But this might be one of those things that it just depends on the area you are in. I did my internship in undergrad with Children Protection Services, and I actually worked for Children Protection Services right after graduation as well. And this was not standard for our agency. We did not let the kids drive alone anywhere. We did not put them in buses or cabs or lifts, anything like that. You would wake up with an immediate email telling you that you were fired. 
In fact, I remember having cases where I had to sit myself and figure out how to get kids on my caseloads to different appointments and different visitations and working with the foster family, sometimes myself having to put in their doctor's appointments and so forth in my book to help out to make sure they can reach these places. So while I can't speak for everyone's experience, I don't believe that that was standard protocol at that time, at least not across the board. But I will say there was more than one user that came forth and said that, no, that was their experience growing up in foster care. But for many of us, we still kind of side-eye this because while there are some people saying, no, I grew up in a system and this is how it happened to me. Also, all of those people spoke English. All of those people were somewhat familiar with their surroundings, the area, the culture. This was a kid who was not. It just seemed like an extra layer of, well, that was a dumb choice. Now, let's get into the theories. The first theory that you'll hear about in this case is that Yuan ran away. People have pointed out that DC actually has a pretty nice size East Asian population, and it would not have been hard for her to link up with individuals she could communicate with. And some even speculated that the babysitter may have helped her. But I want to be very clear, there was no evidence showing that whatsoever. There is no evidence tying its babysitter to anything. With this theory, what you'll mostly hear is that people speculate Yuan was terrified that she was going to get deported and she was going to get deported soon and she didn't want to go back to China. And she ran into an area where she knew there would be other individuals who spoke her language that she believed may have helped her out in some way. Now, with this theory, you also hear a lot of people talk about the age thing, thinking that, yeah, she was most likely older and she probably knew a lot more than she led on. And she probably knew more English than she led on as well. And this could possibly be true. We have no indication either way. One of the biggest reasons people believe she lied about her age is that she thought that the court would have more leniency on her and be more empathetic and want to care for her more if they thought she was still a child versus a teenager. And people wonder if maybe she thought, yeah, look, they're deciding on if they're going to deport me or not. And they're going to look more into my real name, my real age, my real family. If they find out my real age, if they find my real family, they're going to send me back home. And the theory with this one is that she took the risk and gambled to run instead. Some people have pointed out that if she was indeed 14, 15 years old, that she could have very well safely navigated her way to another community in areas where there was a higher East Asian population where she could find help. She was with her foster parents for six weeks. People say this might have been enough time for her to do enough car rides to the store, to a museum, to just different things that typical families do to kind of figure out that, hey, there are other Mandarin-speaking individuals over here. There are people that look like me in this one area, and we always go to this one area to go to that park. People have stated that, you know, if they let her take a cab all the way to her doctor's appointment by herself, where else have they let her take in a cab to? And what other things could she have possibly be doing? Has she had other appointments? Has she broke the city bus by herself, the train, things like that? That could have got her more familiar with the city, especially at the age of 15, 14. It's not one of those thoughts that's so far off. Next, we have the theory that Yuan was kidnapped. 
Now, with this theory, it kind of splits off into two different ways. Yeah, one theory of, unfortunately, she was a kid that was unattended, and she could have just been met with harmful elements. And then you have the other theory of that her smuggler, Clahan, not showing up at the hotel, probably was a heads up to his circle that uh, they might have gotten caught. And for all we know, he could have very well talked to them while he was in jail and let them know, like, hey, they got the kid. She's probably in foster care. And from there, it was just a matter of time for them to figure out a plan on how to get her back. Essentially, with this theory, it's traffickers saying, we're going to recover our lost asset one way or another. And if you think about it, she was with that foster family for about six weeks. So that may have given them the time to figure out where she was and what her routine was like and when she's left alone, things such as that. Now, some people have speculated that they believe that the babysitter was in on this. Again, there is nothing that indicates the babysitter was in on anything whatsoever. I would like to believe that they did, but this was not information that was released to the public. However, one thing I do want to point out is that Whenever they talk about the babysitter, I noticed that they mentioned that the babysitter was an individual who spoke Mandarin instead of saying things like they hired a Chinese babysitter who spoke Mandarin or an East Asian babysitter who spoke Mandarin. They don't say that. They say a babysitter who spoke Mandarin. And to me, that kind of creates a separation of this might not have been someone who was, in fact, a Chinese individual. This might have just been an individual who happened to be able to speak Mandarin. It could have been a college kid who was going to school for international business that also picked up some Mandarin classes because that would be good for their career. And the reason why I'm stopping to make a notice of this is because in pretty much most of the sources I read, when they're talking about a new person in the story, they say the person's race, ethnicity, before going into how this person relates to the case. So for example, with Chachana Klahan, the smuggler, when he's introduced to the story, articles will say, Chachana, who is from Thailand, was the smuggler, blah, 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 and so forth. But with the babysitter, they don't do that. They don't specify a race or ethnicity, which is something that they done with other names, which leads me to believe the babysitter might not have actually been Chinese or of any other East Asian ethnicity, which then kind of kills the buzz of the babysitter being involved and being involved in setting things up, which again, there's no evidence that suggests that whatsoever. And then the last theory that you'll hear about is that Yuhan knew what she was talking about and was being honest. There was someone specifically waiting to pick her up, a family member or a family friend, that she was indeed supposed to come here to live with that person. And she simply found a way to meet up with that person. And that's who she went and stayed and lived happily ever after with. Now, with this particular theory, one of the big things that you'll hear is people talking about China's one child policy. So in the late 70s until about 2015, China had a one child policy. So basically, this was a policy implemented to reduce the growth of China's population. And while there were certain exceptions made, for example, there were certain minority ethnic groups that were allowed to have more than one child. But effectively, when this policy was in place, 
you could only have one child or you face serious violations. Sometimes those violations simply look like heavy fines. And when I say heavy, I'm talking about in the thousands of dollars, which for a lot of Chinese families, especially during the 90s and 80s, this was a lot of money. Um, the fee was oftentimes more than what the average Chinese family made in an entire year. But there were also stronger measures such as forced abortion and sterilization. So keeping that in mind, some people have argued that no, more than likely, Yuan was sent to the U.S. It could have been as simple as her parents were expecting another child and they did not want to face the consequences of that. And so they figured it was easier to send their first child, who was a girl, which was a thing during that time. A lot of families wanted their one permitted child to be a son as traditionally sons inherit the family's name and get past the family name on and so forth. And so some users have argued you that this might have been Yuan's case and she was sent overseas so she could get a better life and also her family could keep in their new incoming child. But I want to be very clear that that particular thought and theory is completely fabricated. It is not based on any facts whatsoever. Uh, there was a one-child policy rule at that time, but we did not know any background information about Yuan's family, about what was going on in her family situation, or anything such as that. Now, going along with that same theory, people have suggested that Yuan probably had a number or address remembered in case of emergency during her travels, that her family probably did tell her like, hey, just remember, this is auntie's address. This is auntie's number. If anything happens, you call auntie. If anything happens, you can always reach her at this place. And some have wondered if during those six weeks that she found time to call her aunt or whoever it was that she was supposed to go live with. And she simply saw an opportunity coming up with this doctor's appointment and arranged to be picked up or meet up with this aunt or familiar person at that time. Now, here's the thing with these theories. All of these theories are pure speculation. None of the theories that involve this case are based on any facts whatsoever because there is none. There was no type of evidence that suggested anything left at the foster home, left at the school, or where she was last dropped off. FBI agents, immigration agents, local law enforcement all came together and no one has been able to come up with a single conclusion or even a good hypothesis. Now, I will mention in November of 2008, the Kansas City Star reported that law enforcement officials made some statements that indicated Yuan could have been in the Kansas City area, or at least that might have been where she traveled to. No one's really clear why this statement was made. No official police source actually came out and confirmed the statements made by that paper. A lawyer for the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, President Finley, told the Washington Examiner that it's really unclear if Yuan actually made it to Kansas or why she would go to Kansas, and they weren't aware why that statement was made either. But unfortunately, Yuan Wang is still missing. We don't know if her family knows where she is or what happened to her, where she went. We aren't sure if they're in the loop at all if they know their child got here and disappeared, if the authorities ever figured out who they were and contacted them and let them know what was going on. We just aren't sure. But what we are sure of is that 
there was a young woman or young girl who traveled here to the U.S. with a stranger. She was then placed in strangers' homes where she couldn't speak their language and they couldn't speak hers. And even with them trying to make her feel comfortable, she was in a whole new world. She was going to school where none of the kids spoke her language and she didn't know what was going to happen to her. She didn't know if she would be staying in the U.S. or if she would be going back home or what that would even look like. But one day, she got off the bus and she was never seen from again. We don't even know if her family knows she's missing, but her story deserves to be told. She deserves to be looked for and to confirm that she's okay, that she's all right, and that people did not forget about her. So if you have any information about Yuan Wang, I ask that you please make a call to Fairfax County Police Department at 703-691-2131. Now, as always, I will have her picture up on Instagram, but I will warn you guys, there's only one known picture of her. Two, if you include the age progression composite sketch done based on guesstimates of what she could possibly look like today. But I still ask if you come by the Instagram at the overlooked underscore podcast and take a look at her picture. See if you notice her. Maybe that name rings a bell or her face seems really familiar. Now, before I wrap up, I will say I have gotten your DMs. I have gotten your messages, guys. I promise, I promise I'm going to work on the website and put some more blog posts up. I will get it on there. If you follow me on Instagram, the Overlook underscore podcast, I post updates on there. So when I have write-ups available and more pictures available, I will post on there. In the meantime, guys, as always, stay safe, stay vigilant, and I'll have a new episode for you guys next Sunday. Bye. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.